Former Steeler Merrill Hodge went after Devin Bush over the weekend, saying that Robert Spillane was the better linebacker and that Devin Bush had too many problems. I'm going to give you my thoughts that I'm Chris Carter here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. We're going to break that down why I see completely differently, and we're going to answer a lot of your questions right here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things of the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find the show on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, and YouTube. If you're watching this video on YouTube, hit the like button if you enjoy it. Hit the subscribe button to our YouTube channel to get all of our daily Monday through Friday episodes, as well as our bonus content and our breaking news updates. If you want to support the show even further, go on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review with a positive comment. Do both at the same time, and you get a shout-out at the end of the show. Thank you for making Locked On Steelers podcast your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, now I've said all that, I want to dive right into was a kind of controversial thing over the weekend. Um, Merrill Hodge, former Steeler, and I, I want to preface this by saying I have a lot of respect for Merrill Hodge. I learned a lot about football watching him and Ron Jaworski. I used to wake up early enough in the morning, Sunday mornings before NFL games during the season, because they, they had that NFL edge matchup show. I loved watching that show. That was a big part of helping cultivate my young mind into understanding football and asking my dad, who was a football coach, more football questions. And a lot of that built who, you know, led to the things that I learned to help me do what I do today in covering the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I want to preface all of this because I disagree with Merrill about his assessment here, but I want to preface all of this that I I have a lot of respect for this man and for how he covers football and how he studies football, but I just disagree. Now let's get into what Merrill Hodge actually said about Devin Bush because you might have seen it on Twitter, but let's go over the actual words he said on 93.7 The Fan on uh, Friday. Talking about Devin Bush, Merrill Hodge says he is who he is. He doesn't play with great instincts. I don't care if he's a first rounder. I don't care if he's fast. He's not a good, he's not a very good football player. He doesn't play smart. He doesn't play fast. He doesn't even play with good leverage and technique when he does. And he hurts you. Merrill then went on to say that Robert Spillane was the best linebacker on the Steelers, on the Steelers roster. He said Spillane is really their best inside linebacker, period. End of story. You watch him play inside. A, he's athletic. He's smart. He's where he's supposed to be. He takes on people. He makes tackles. He's not a liability in the passing game. You know you can't expose him in the passing game. There's a whole a whole host of things that he that he's better at than Bush, and that doesn't jeopardize your team. So Merrill is more than welcome to his opinions. I I don't know what he's looking at if he's saying that Robert Spillane's better in coverage. I I will give you that Robert Spillane seems like a heavier hitter in the run game when it's one. If he's in the hole, he's going to hit you harder than Devin Bush. But that's about it. When you look at when you look at their numbers, Robert Spillane has a higher rate of missing tackles than Devin Bush. And I get it. If you watched this film in 2020 in 2021 and saw Devin Bush, he did have terrible instincts. He didn't he didn't look like he trusted himself half the time. He was he was all over the place. Uh, he was getting hit by linemen, you know, before before he could even get set. Devin Bush had had a not good year 
into in 2021. And I said it all along, like I think this dude's still recovering from his knee injury. And we talked to him last week for the first time in OTAs, and we got and like he was talking about, yeah, I was not in my best place. I was still figuring out. I still was trying to learn how to trust my legs. That was something that Vince Williams, a you know a recent, a very recently former Steeler, uh, said b- during the season before it even became popular to talk about Devin Bush's knee, knee his, his his recovering ACL issues. But I mean. To say Robert Spillane is that much better in coverage, I I don't know, I don't know what if he has some different numbers. But you go on Pro Pro Football Focus and you look up coverage numbers, he gave up seventy six point. Robert Spillane gave up seventy six point nine percent of the recep of the target of the passes that were thrown his way. They ended up in receptions twenty twenty of twenty six passes that were targeted with him being the closest guy. Uh, that he he allowed he allowed a reception for 203 passing yards, 129 yards after the catch, and he allowed a touchdown. He never got his hands on on, on a pass. Now Devin Bush wasn't that exactly great either. Gave was targeted 49 or 63 times. Gave up 49 receptions for 77.8 yard uh 77.8 percent uh for 469 yards. And uh, 284 yards after the catch did allow two touchdowns, but also registered an interception and four pass breakups. So I say all that to say all those numbers, that's not demonstrably better for Robert Spillane. I will tell you when I study film and again, Merrill's played in the NFL. He's done national shows on, on studying film. So I'm not saying like I'm a better studier of film than he is, but I am telling you what I see and and when and what I see when I talk to Robert, when I talk to Robert Spillane and Mike Tomlin, when you talk to Robert Spillane last year, he said the biggest thing going into training camp in the, in the 2021 season, he said that Mike Tomlin told him he was a good hug blitzer and they wanted him to get used to playing up close to the line of scrimmage to play that specific role. They brought him into training camp thinking, hey, if he can kind of be that physical fill guy that plays that role in front of Devin Bush, maybe he'll be the answer. Maybe he'll be the he'll, he'll, he'll be a partner. It didn't work. That's why they went and got Joe Schobert, and Joe Schobert started next to uh, Devin Bush to start the season and for most of the season. Robert Spillane, you know, and again, I'm not trying to badmouth Robert Spillane because I think he's a, he's a hard worker. He's fought really hard to get where he's at. And it, I mean, everyone remembers the the big De- uh, Derek Henry hit he had two years ago. That guy has earned every opportunity he's gotten. He's he's working very hard for that. But Mike Tomlin acknowledged it as well. Robert Spillane, what he said was exactly was was pretty much verbatim what Mike Tomlin said when asked about Robert Spillane's role and that they want him they want him to be a guy that you he's going to blitz the quarterback on passing downs in a sub package and if the running back leaks out he'll go and cover them. Robert Spillane is very good when he's in that specific role, but when you drop him back and you force him to cover deep down the field. He doesn't do that. And I know Devin Bush isn't a connoisseur at covering deep down the field, but you've at least seen him make plays down there. For example, both of these guys have intercepted Lamar Jackson. But if you look back at Robert Spillane, his was simply he dropped into his zone. Jackson didn't see him, and he threw it right to Robert Spillane, and Spillane was able to walk it into the end zone because it was that bad of a, of, of a read from Lamar Jackson. Devin Bush's interception of Lamar Jackson was literally him plastering a tight end 20 to 30 yards downfield. And as the ball was coming down, he ripped the ball out of tight end's hands and, and, and rolled over with the football, getting the, a huge interception for the Steelers. That is the level of effort that you get from, from Devin Bush because he does have that athleticism. Now, if you want to say that you think that, Dev, that Devin Bush isn't coming back, he's not going to be able to make the recovery, that's up to you. But even not good Devin Bush that we saw last year 
was more serviceable than Robert Spillane. And now this year, he's going to be more healthy. He's not going to have those, those knee questions. We're going to see him flying at full speed. And, I, and I'll say this, too. When Devin Bush was before that injury in the, the first six or seven games of 2020 and his entire rookie season, he was a very good young linebacker. He still had things to polish, but he was making plays for the Steelers. In his rookie season, he had the most tackles ever by a rookie defender in Steelers history. That says something. Early on in the 2020 season, when the Steelers were still, they were kind of you know building that 11-0 start, in those early games, they were shutting teams down in the ground game. Saquon Barkley, I think, had the, I think, however many carries he had, where it was 11 or 12, it was the fewest amount of yards allowed to a running back in NFL history that had that many carries. And Devin Bush was a huge part of that, going gap to gap, sideline to sideline, sticking with it. Even when there was one time, I think Barkley hurdled him, but because Bush was there, it slowed him down and allowed the rest of the team to get there. Bush does did have good instincts. I'll say he, I, I have to. We have to see him have good instincts for me to say that he does now. But he has shown that he can have good instincts. Spillane has decent instincts, but he does not have the athleticism to go sideline to sideline to work deeper downfield and to make the kind of coverage plays that Devin Bush can make that we have seen him make. The biggest question is if you're saying that Robert Spillane is going to be better than Devin Bush this year, okay. That's a bold prediction, uh, and I'll, I'll say you had you can have that bold prediction. I disagree. But whether or not you think that he's better than Devin Bush, I'm sorry. I don't know what you're looking at if you think that he's the best linebacker on that roster right now because even if Devin Bush isn't, Miles Jack would, would be. And I know Miles Jack is coming from a struggling team, but that dude, if you saw what he, the plays that he's made over the years, he would be the top linebacker. So all that to say, I respect the heck out of Merrill. But I think he's tripping on this one. I think this is this this that this was a little over the top. And hey, you may not like Devin Bush's demeanor. There's 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 sometimes I think he says not the best quotes in his in his monologue when, he, when he's answering questions. But I think he's just trying to give an honest answer in the way that he's like, hey, you know what? I don't like that I haven't been playing well. I'm just trying to get back to the point where I was playing well, and he was playing well before his injury. So. You can look at it however you want. You can let me know in the YouTube comment section if I'm crazy. Maybe Devin Bush will never be be a, be a you know play at a higher level like he was early on. Because again, going into the 2020 season, uh, I believe it's Jeremy Fowler of ESPN put together a collection of uh, of 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 players that were looking to be breakout players or players that people thought were going to be most likely to break out. And in the honorable mentions was Devin Bush because he was getting told by front office people that. People were saying, like, man, Devin Bush was on his way last year. Had he not gotten hurt, he'd be on this list. And to me, that shows that there is a respect for Devin Bush out there. He ju It's just that he has to be able to get back to being 100% healthy. We will see that. We've seen him working out in OTAs. We've seen him working with Miles Jack. He's talked about how the rehab part of his training is over. Now he's able to actually focus on football and not just if his knee is working so he can be the explosive and rangy player that he needs to be to be at his best so we'll see how that develops but I still think Devin Bush can be a very good linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers we'll see it we'll see that how that picks up we got a lot of questions from you guys over the past past week or so I haven't been able to get to all of them we're going to get to several in today's show. So stay tuned here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. We're going to address several of your questions about the team. Mini camp starts this week. We're going to be able to go there Tuesday through Thursday. It's going to be an exciting week. We're going to be talking with you all week long about that. But before we do, I want to be sure to get a lot of your questions out of the way 
um, before we start getting more mini camp questions. But before we get to those questions first, I got to talk to you guys about Blue Nile. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring. Each ring is one of a kind. Looking for fine jewelry but having time tr- having trouble uh, choosing? Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7. Available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Sports listeners will get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive in- includes engagement rings. Use the code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On, all one word. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. So shop stress-free and find your forever peace by going to BlueNow.com today. We're also brought to you by RockAuto.com. Save time and money with visiting RockAuto.com. Why should you spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more when you visit a chain store or a car dealership? For example, if you wanted a Honda Odyssey fuel pump, it would be $353 from the chain store. But if you wanted to go to rockauto.com, you'd get $216 in the same part. That's a lot of money that you're saving just by going to rockauto.com. Rock Auto is a family-owned business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you can need from brake parts to tail lamps to motor oil and even new carpet. So go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. And you'll see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, box? So that they don't know we sent you amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Now, as y'all know, if you're a bit a long time fan of the show, if we do back to back ad reads, we keep it rolling. So we're going right into segment two here. And I wanted to start answering some of your questions. Now, I, again, if you ever have questions that you want to get on the show, you can get on the show by calling this number, leaving a voicemail with your name and where you're from. The number is 412-223-6644. You can also, if you're international and you can't get to the phone line because of phone plans, you can email LOSteelersTopicBag at gmail.com. That's LOSteelersTopicBag at gmail.com. Be sure to include a clip of your question and like an audio. Again, say your name and where you're from. And we'll try to get your questions on the show. So we've had a lot of questions piling up. I haven't been able to get to all of them because I've been covering OTAs and we've been doing stuff and trying to get a lot of trying to get all our guests in and get the questions in. So we're going to we got about five questions we're going to break down over the next two segments. So let's get right right into them. I want to start with this question because I think this is an interesting question we've gotten kind of an answer to um, during OTAs. This is Victor from Tennessee asking about the role that Connor Hayward, Cam Hayward's little brother, is going to play. Hi, Chris. This is Victor from Tennessee. And my question to you is, how do you see the Steelers uh, using uh, Cam's brother? What role do you think he would have? Thank you for your question, Victor. It's a good question because Connor Hayward, it was one of those guys at Michigan State uh, who was kind of known as a football player. Michigan State, the Spartans, they used him everywhere. Uh, they, they they put him here, there. He he lined up, you know, if he lined up a fullback, lined up a tight end, he, he used to be a running back. Whatever he could do, he was going to do it. He was a guy who blocked. He was a guy who caught. He hurdled people. He ran over people. He did a lot of different stuff. I see him and the Steelers see him as the third tight end on the team. Uh, when asked, I believe it was Derek Watt who was asked during OTAs if 
uh, if he's in competition with Connor Hayward, and he's like, no, he's a completely different position. So people who are thinking he's going to be a pure fullback fullback to take the place of Derek Watt, he's not going to be. This team still needs a legitimate third tight end. And yes, there's Kevin Rader. There's other guys that have been on the roster. But right now it's just Pat Frymuth and Zach Gentry, who both, I think, did a really solid job last year. Pat Frymuth especially. Gentry came on really strong. I, I, I think he can be very proud of the progress that he made. But Connor Hayward... I see him more as the David Johnson type type of uh, player on the offense. Now, if you're not if, if you're not as familiar with David Johnson, because that was early 2010, 2010s, he was on the Super Bowl 45 team that lost the Packers. Um, he was a guy who played a lot of third tight end, helped kind of as an extra blocker out of the backfield sometimes. That's the role I see for Connor Hayward, but that does not jeopardize Derek Watt's role in any way. I don't think they're competing with one another. It's just a matter of. You know, how can Matt Canada use these guys to win more in the run game and be diverse players who can line up to help create heavier packages that defenses think, oh, the run's coming. But then you call a play action, you flip it to this guy, he catches the ball and he could be dangerous with the ball in his hands. So that's the role he's going to play. I don't see him getting a ton of snaps this year. I think a big way how he can help himself is get on special teams he does that he'll be fine i think connor hayward when i watched his tape in college he's the guy that's going to find a way to be useful to danny smith Steelers special teams coach and get it get get on out there so that being said let's ask some questions well here well let me ask a question we have a question from dion from mobile alabama from mobile alabama who asked about the run game and the pass game as far as what the split would be for the pittsburgh steelers here's dion hi this is pete home from virginia and my question was, how do the Steelers mix up their offense, being that people will probably try to stop the run? So if you run a two-tight end offense, that's taking the receivers off the field. So how do they mix it up and be successful this year? Apologies, Dion. You are from Virginia, not Alabama. That is my mistake. I was combining all of these and I think I got mixed up there but to answer your question question Dion I, I can see this going to be a very interesting combination of how the Steelers are going to use it this year I, I do think the Steelers are going to use some double tight end sets I think that they have a, a wide assortment of wide receiver talents with Deontay Johnson Chase Claypool um uh George Pickens Calvin Austin even Miles Boykin I think could be very interesting for this use and even Gunnar Olszewski um, you know, I, I talked to Gunnar Olszewski, in fact, uh, this past year. He caught a touchdown in in a, in a two-minute drill from uh, Mitch Trubisky and looked smooth in doing so. He's been getting good separation. He feels confident about that, and he likes where, where he is in his NFL career right now. So um, I, I think I think Gunnar Olszewski is another weapon that they have there. So I think the Steelers have a very interesting assortment of weapons. Last year, they I believe it was like 61 to 39% pass to run so they, they pass the ball much more much more than they run ran the ball I see that being different this year and I know Najee Harris is a big part of that but I think that Matt Canada is going to find different ways to get the ball to different guys they're going to try more jet sweeps because they're going to have mobile quarterbacks I can see more quarterback runs designed quarterback runs um, design option plays to kind of force you to decide between the quarterback and the running back uh, maybe some design fullback runs Based and that, that allow them, but a lot of this depends on the quarterback mobility, on these guys feeling comfortable in doing so and running these different schemes. Ben Roethlisberger wasn't comfortable in that. He wasn't a guy who did play action. He wasn't a guy who kind of who you know was was very diverse in that anymore. He used to be back in the day 
way back in the day, but that just wasn't who he could be when he's, you know, is in the, is in the back end of his career and just extremely limited. So that being said, I do think that there's uh you're going to see a, a better mix of run and pass. I do think you're going to find them trying to play off of that. And also this is when you get defenses to think more when you're that quarterback and you're playing play action a little bit more and you're uh, and you have those heavier sets out there, you force defenses. If you have double tight ends and, and, and a running back with two receivers, they got to come out in, a, in, in more base sets. Unless, unless they, if, unless they come out in like a nickel or a dime and they, and you think, okay, let's plow through them. We got two tight ends. We're, we're confident about them blocking as well as our offensive line. Go get these guys, abuse them. They got the smaller crew out there. If they bring the bigger crew out there, you're excited because you got a Pat Frymuth. You're excited about Zach Gentry. Both of those guys can can catch the ball pretty well. You give them shots as well as your receivers who will get you'll, you'll get maybe one on one coverage with the cornerbacks if you can orchestrate it. And all of that too. Najee Harris is a pretty good receiving back. There's a lot of options here for the Steelers, so I, I'm I'm not entirely sure how the exactly the split will go. I'm confident that it will be closer to 50 50 than it was last year. I can see it being more like 55 45. Um, it's still a passing league, so I think they're still going to try and let let the quarterback, whoever it's going to be, I think it's going to be Mitch Trubisky to start the year. Um, whoever it's going to be, I think that's going to be the case there. Uh, but I do think this is going to be a much more balanced offense that's going to force defenses to have to play more of a guessing game. Because last year, a lot of defenses, they said, we're not really guessing. You're, you're the Pittsburgh Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger in, in the in the latter, later part of his career. We're going to just huddle up around the box the box here, take away the short passes as best we can, force you to either beat us deep or block the snot out of us with amazing run blocking because we're stuffing up the line of scrimmage and, with as many people as we can. So I, I do think we're going to see a, a more interesting mix there. We got three more questions we're going to get to on this show because there's a lot to get to on today's show to get you ready for your for your week here on the Monday edition of the Locked On Steelers podcast. So we'll get to that in just a second. But first, I got to talk to you guys about BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your, uh, your betting stats and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NBA playoffs. The finals are going on, y'all, and the Warriors tied it up one-to-one. It's headed back to Boston. If you want information to make money on that series, go to BetOnline.net. But you also got the Stanley Cup playoffs, playoffs going on right now they're trying to decide who's going to the stanley cup that's been getting very interesting and also you have major league baseball well full and swing the pirates are like doing well recently what that's weird but you can find out how that's weird at betonline.net betonline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs esports and more head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action at betonline where the game starts Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, hosting things here. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. Let me know what you're thinking of the show. Now, let's get back to your questions here. Like I said, we have a whole bunch of them, and I wanted to get to, wanted to, get to them. Um, this is a question that kind of ties in an older topic with new with a, with a new with a new spin to it because uh, and I thought this was an interesting question. I think there's a Sal from Virginia who asked about Dwayne Haskins' unfortunate death impacting the Steelers draft plans and it kind of brought up some interesting thoughts about how the Steelers are right now in training camp so here's Sal with his question hi Chris this is Sal I'm calling from Virginia uh, I just want to say I really enjoy your show um, I had a kind of a, a my question is this Chris um, 
Had the uh, had we not had the uh, the tragedy that unfolded with the death of uh, Dwayne Haskins, do you think that uh, the Steelers would have had a different um, a different plan of action as far as the draft with who they would have took in the first round? Um, again, I enjoy your show and thanks for taking my question. Thank you, Sal, for your question. I really appreciate it. Let me answer this in, in two parts. One, no, I don't think it would have changed the first round, but it did change how they acted the rest of the way. Kevin Colbert made it clear well before the draft. He said, we, the Steelers, want to bring four quarterbacks to training camp. That, to me, was always a sign they were going to get two quarterbacks in the in the, in free agency and the draft. When they signed Mitch Trubisky, I was like, okay, there's one, so they're drafting another one. And I said that all in the lead-up. I said, they're probably looking at quarterbacks. I wasn't sure. Back when we thought Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett and whoever else was going to go in the first round, we were looking at guys who may go in the second or third round, maybe in the fourth round, as options for the Pittsburgh Steelers if they wanted to just get a, a fourth arm in the room. Um, and this was, of course, was, you know, was, was an option there. Um, but again, that was before Dwayne Haskins passed away. When Dwayne Haskins' unfortunate death did happen, they had to find a way to, to do it. And I, I said at the time, I'm not, I was, I didn't want to get into who was going to replace Dwayne Haskins. That just seemed disrespectful to, you know, such a tragic, a tragic loss of life. But the truth is, is that the Steelers were like, hey, we still need to bring four arms to camp. They were adamant that, that Kenny Pickett was their guy. They loved him. They studied him for five years, all five of his years at Pitt. That was the leader that they wanted in their locker room. I don't think that Dwayne Haskins impacted. Because Dwayne Haskins, if if you, if you if they didn't draft any quarterback and Dwayne Haskins was alive, it'd be I, it, the pecking order would still be Mitch Trubisky, Mason Rudolph, Dwayne Haskins in that order, and, and that's how it would be. Dwayne Haskins was not stopping the Steelers from drafting a guy that they thought would be their franchise quarterback. There was that was never going to happen. But what they what might have happened is if they drafted Kenny Pickett, they wouldn't have gotten Chris Alatakun, who was the quarterback they drafted in the seventh round. And that's why I included him with Kenny Pickett in OTAs in the picture. If you're watching on YouTube when we were showing Sal's question, uh, but Chris Alatakun, I think he was the one that was the that was the kind of the. The, the 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 space on the roster open because of Dwayne Haskins' unfortunate passing. That's the only change that happened. And and Chris Alatakun even kind of opened up. He's like, hey, like I'm I'm happy to take the Lamar Jackson practice squad role, you know, just to learn what's going on in the NFL. But I also think it's cool that Kenny Pickett, when we talked to him last week, he said him and Chris Alatakun are like glued to the hip right now. They're going through every step together. They're processing things. They're working on things. And it, it seems like these two guys are getting along swimmingly. It seems like the whole quarterback room is. I talked about it last week. Mason Rudolph's talking about how he's willing to help Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett and Chris Love. He's helping all these guys get used to the playbook, get used to the offense, talk about their different ways of doing things. I think that's all a good sign. But to answer your question, Sal, uh, no, no they, they, Dwayne Haskins' unfortunate passing did not st- did not make get the Steelers to, to draft Kenny Pickett. They uh th- that was I think if he was going to fall to twenty that was always going to happen at least the way how we're hearing things after the draft now. Um and I, I think that Chris Alatakun was your fourth quarterback arm brought into camp just for competition to have four quarterback arms and to see how things went. So uh, that that's that. All right, we're gonna move on to our next question here. We got a, a caller who's called in before I believe Daryl Battle asking about Calvin Austin and the Steelers receivers and maybe some of the, do they are wondering if the Steelers have some of the fastest players in the NFL. Here's Daryl. Hello, uh, Mr. Chris Carter. This is Daryl Battle, better known as you call me Gibo during the challenge last year. 
uh, is actually pronounced Jibo like Debo, but I'm a grandfather now, so I'm Jibo now. But my question is, um, is there any uh, anytime soon that you'll be doing a focus on the wide receivers? Because I noticed when Calvin Austin III did his 40 at the combine, it looked like he ran a whole lot faster than the 4.32. Just by looking at the screen, looked like he crossed the line just past four seconds. So um, I'm not sure if you would like to uh, look into that to see exactly what you see. But um, I'm wondering, is he possibly the fastest person in the NFL right now? I just want to know your thoughts. Hopefully I'll, I'll get on. Thank you. Thank you very much for your question, uh, Daryl. That's uh, you know that, 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 that that's really interesting to think about with Calvin Austin. Let, let's go over a few things here to break this down. One, to answer your question about the time that you saw that you were watching on TV, he might have crossed a little bit sooner. Y'all need to understand the time that you're seeing on TV is not official. That is NFL Network when they're covering the combine. That's just their timer. But there are there's our official timers that are on site right there on the field. Their time is going to be what counts. Like, for example, I was at Pitts Pro Day when Kenny Pickett and all those guys were doing their workouts, right? We had our timers, but that we were not the official timers. Like, we were all trying to do it, stopwatches and all these other things, but there's one official timer that matters. And, and you'll often see, if you remember on, uh, on on combine days and pro days and stuff, you'll see like 4.41U, and the U means unofficial because that's just the time, hey, like, this, t- this TV network, we were covering it. This is the time that we thought he ran, but there's going to be an official time given by the actual combine because they reg- they regulate um, ev- everything there. So, um, you know, that that's, that's part of that. But to answer your question, is Calvin Austin the fastest guy in the NFL? Not by really measuring 40-yard dashes. Let me get into the 40-yard dash numbers at first, and then I'll explain why the 40-yard dash isn't always the best best uh, metric. Uh, for example, it's not the fastest. He doesn't have the fastest time. John Ross still, I think, has the fastest time at 4.22. There's Kalen Burns. There's Tariq Woolen. All those guys have uh, had really good. Tariq Woolen was actually this draft class. He ran a 4.26, so he beat out uh, the 4.32 of Calvin Austin. But granted, Calvin Austin, very fast. Um, there's also Curtis Samuel, uh, Andy Isabella, Paris Campbell. All those guys had faster times than uh, Calvin Austin. But again, that's not to say that he's slow. He's lightning fast. When you get, when you get past four four, you are too fast. In my opinion, <laughs> like you, 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 we get it. You won the speed thing. You are one of the fastest people that play the sport of football. But forty times don't always translate into football speed. For example, uh, Deontay Johnson, he ran like a four five. Same thing for Antonio Brown. You look at, but you look at them on 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 tape. You look at them when they when they're breaking away from guys. Those guys got football speed. That track speed and football speed are speed are two different things. Because when you're on the football field, you're at one. You're at, you have to worry about defenders. You have to get separation. From these guys. These guys are coming to hit you. It's not the same of just running full speed without worrying of the direction that you're going. You're just going straight. You're just trying to beat beat this person in a race. It is not that simple. That is why I you know that that that's not nothing. But I will say this: Calvin Austin having that kind of speed and George Pickens, I believe he ran a four four two. I want to say uh, or something along those lines. Chase Claypool has that four four two speed the Steelers do have speed on the field that is going to be something that's very interesting and I do think that's going to play a big role because it's going to give them one multiple options to go deep down the field beat beat defenders with speed but also give Matt Canada more of those jet sweep options that he likes to run because the whole point of the jet sweep is to get it to a guy who's really quick and explosive and then if you give him one little seam he hits it 
and he can be he can be off for a huge gain or even a touchdown. So uh, to answer your question, um, the the official time is the official time for for uh, for Calvin Austin. But he's plenty fast, and we'll see how fast he plays in the NFL when he starts getting some more opportunities. So that'll answer that question. All right. I believe we have one final question here. Um, this one, this one's from Ryan. This is a Tomlin question. Again, this revolves around the quarterbacks. I saved this one for last. I believe this is Ryan from Alabama. Here's his question. Hey, Chris. This is Ryan Tomlin from Alabama. Uh, my question was, um, I know this is a new territory for Mike Tomlin, um, having a new quarterback and everything, and I'd like to transition from him, from Bill Cowher to him. And my question was, what type of, like, what would it take for Art Rooney to be like, hey, we got to let you go? Like, what type of season or how many bad seasons would it have to take for them to let him go? Uh, I know a lot of people uh, have been ruffling feathers by not pleased with the way he's not winning playoff games, but I'd rather be, you know, on the almost getting there to winning a Super Bowl, making the playoffs, than to be picking in the top five, top ten every year. And so I'm just wondering with now going with a new quarterback and a whole new like new roster change up, new coaching staff, how long would you think or what type of how many bad seasons would it be before they would just have to let him go? Which I hope doesn't happen for the long run. I hope he retires to the coach. But appreciate the appreciate the um uh show, man. Really love it. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate it. You appreciate the show. And we thank everyone who calls into the show. We apologize. I apologize if I can't get you on the show. We got, as you see, we get a lot of questions and it's tough to get them all on while I'm also managing content. Got to keep up things and we're trying to keep things fresh for y'all, but we appreciate you. So Ryan, let me get to your question. And again, if you ever want to call into the show and get your question heard, just like Ryan and everyone else, call 412-223-6644. And I, Chris Carter, will answer your question on the show. And sometimes if we have a guest on, they'll answer it as well. But um, to answer your question, here ryan i don't i don't know if there's a finite number that the steelers would have on bad seasons because my comment hasn't had a bad season yeah i mean he's had not good seasons he's had he's been eight and eight but he hasn't had a losing season like people don't understand i know there's people that poo poo that like oh who cares about losing seasons they haven't we've only won three playoff games in the last 10 the last 10 years that's terrible blah 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 we get that the reason that they haven't ever fallen off the cliff is because Mike Tomlin has kept the organization together. That ship has always at least pointed in the right direction to say like, Hey, every year that team has a shot to get to the tournament. And if you get to the tournament, you got a shot to get to the Super Bowl. That is what, that, that is something you can't deny Mike Tomlin in his time. I also think it speaks volumes about Mike Tomlin when Gunnar Olszewski, who was with the new England Patriots for the, for, for the, for the start of his career, was asked about you know what they what what teams think what other teams thought about coaches and stuff and how Bill Belichick saw Mike Tomlin. He said that Bill Belichick and the the Patriots they didn't talk about too many other coaches out there. They didn't seem to talk too lightly or or, or highly of uh, of other coaches out there. But he said Mike Tom was the one coach that he talked about was like yeah that's that that's that's the guy. And so he said he's always had that respect for him because the Patriots did. And these are the same Patriots that have beaten Mike Tomlin quite a bit. Like there's no there's no doubt about it. They, they the Patriots have have owned the Steelers for so many years when it comes to when it comes to big games. The Steelers they tried to push back against it. They won the last time Tom Brady came to Heinz Field, um, and they're gonna get to play him again at Heinz Field. That'll be interesting to see how that plays out this year. But you know the Patriots that was a team that you know if you wanted to you'd be like yeah whatever. They, the Steelers haven't beaten us in the playoffs since like 1997, so why do we care? But they still have that respect for Mike Tomlin. I think that says a lot. Now to answer your question, Ryan, I think it would take maybe like three or four years of ineptitude, like to be saying like, look, Mike, it's just not working no more, man. Like you just got to turn around because 
part of this, as far as what Mike Tomlin, what you would need to see before you before you move on from a head coach that has been as consistent and as competitive as Mike Tomlin has been. Again, a Super Bowl champion, the only current NFL head coach with more Super Bowl wins than him is Bill Belichick, um, and a guy who has the longest start to a career without a without a without a losing season. There's so much that goes into this and the respect that the locker room has for him. Cam Hayward said, I want to run for a, through a wall for Mike Tomlin. He said that on Mina Kimes podcast just, just last week. You get people that are excited to play for Mike Tomlin. Miles Jack said, yeah, Brian Flores, he was excited to play for, but he's also excited to play for Mike Tomlin. It's 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 carries throughout the league. There's a there's this league-wide respect for Mike Tomlin. I know a lot of Steelers fans look at playoff record, playoff record. But like Ryan's point is, is that you don't understand that a lot of that isn't always just about the coaching. There's times on the play, Chuck Knoll, the greatest Steelers coach of all time, maybe even the greatest NFL coach of all time. When they asked him about, you know, how, how they won those big moments, he would point to the players. He said, that wasn't me. That was those guys. They worked their butts off. I, I just, I called the play to put, I put them in position. It's their job to win those moments. And it's crazy. It's, it may sound crazy, but we just talked about this last week when we were talking about Stephon Tewitt and his retirement and how uh, Ryan Shazier and uh, um, and Martavis Bryant, like that whole 2014 draft class, all talented players. Imagine if any one of them, if, if Ryan Shazier is healthy for the 2017 playoffs and stuck with the Steelers, where would they have been? They would have been a much better team over the past several years. They don't need to draft Devin Bush. Mike Tomlin has dealt with blow after blow and still found a way to make this team competitive year after year. When they were down to a fourth string, undrafted rookie out of Samford, you could not make this team fall below 500. That's That, to me, the Steelers know his value. The organization knows his value. You would have to see him collapse and have several years drafting in the top 10. The Steelers haven't naturally drafted in the top 10, I think, since like 89. I may be I may be a little off with that. It might be like ninety or ninety one, but like since I was born, that's not and that's not just Mike Thomas. That's the organization as well. Bill Cowher was was able to hold them up there. Though Bill Cowher did have did have I believe three losing seasons. Yeah, three losing seasons. But even then, and again, this is this isn't just about Mike Thomas. This is how the Roonies think. When Bill Cowher was having those losing seasons, there were people. I remember as a kid, there were some people that called for his head. Because in ninety in ninety eight after after they lost the AFC championship in ninety seven in ninety eight they went I believe seven and nine and in ninety nine they went six and ten and everyone's thinking man they're not heading in the right direction but then in in two thousand they missed the playoffs but they were nine and seven and he got his extension and people thought that was crazy he didn't get to the playoffs why does he get a, why does he get a chance it's because the Rooney's saw that Bill Cower was putting a team together. And that the locker room still revolved around him and that they trusted him and that they played for him and that they wanted to play for him. If I if you see a day when Cam Hayward's like, I don't know about Mike Thomas, that's when you know it, there's there's trouble. If a player like Cam Hayward, a guy who's a team leader, a guy who isn't like you know crazy like Antonio Brown is, if you see that guy turning on you, then you got a problem. But until you see that. I don't think that they're going to move on from Mike Tomlin because they're like, look, Mike Tomlin puts these guys in positions to win. Even last year, they were 9-7-1 with the worst version of, of, of Ben Roethlisberger with an offensive line that was dealing with several injuries and still wasn't good when they were healthy, with a defensive line that was decimated by injuries and they were the worst run defense in, in the NFL, something that hadn't happened to the Steelers since 1941. And somehow that team still found a way to win situational football so many times 
that they fought their way to the playoffs. And yes, they got smacked when they were in it. They, they, they were the, they, that's the Chiefs. But they, they were in it with those guys for a quarter and a half. They were shutting them out for a quarter and a half. And if that team had, if the Steelers had any offense, they would, they would have been in that game much longer. So to answer your question, Ryan, I know this has been very long-winded, but it's going to take a lot for Mike Tomlin to be cut from the Pittsburgh Steelers. It would take several years of drafting the top 10, getting your chance to get those superstar players the Steelers either have to luck their way into, like for, like for example, Cam Hayward. They never thought he'd get to 31 when they picked him. Nick Fitzpatrick, they had to trade a first-rounder to a team that was trying to do fire sales to, to get him. Devin Bush, even though he hasn't played like a superstar, they had to trade up multiple picks to get him at, at, at 10th overall. If Mike Tomlin had about three of those picks and still wasn't materializing anything, then I think the Rooney's would be like, hey, Mike, we love your service, but it's time to move on. But that ain't happening. Mike Tomlin's making this team compete with picking in the in the mid twenties, I mean last year they were big big. What Menachi Harris was twenty second overall, and they still found a way to compete with that. This year, they 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 went out they went out and got Kenny Pickett at twentieth overall. You know, and if Kenny Pickett doesn't play, and you use your and you had your twentieth overall pick, and he doesn't play because Mitch Trubisky's in there, and they're still finding a way to compete, it's going to further show how competitive this team is under Mike Tomlin. So this is what I say to all the Steelers fans that have common sense when they're talking about the coaching situation is when you're facing the people that are saying three playoff wins, three playoff wins, three playoff wins. Okay. Let's look across the board with how many playoff wins these other, these other coaches that you say are so great have had when they have quarterbacks in the prime. Cause the other thing is that Mike Tomlin hasn't had a quarterback in his prime in a long time. And he is facing a new challenge with new quarterbacks across the, across the board. Mason Rudolph has only 10 starts for the team. Mitch Trubisky, Mitch Trubisky just got here. Kenny Pickett just got here. That's going to be a challenge. But I think that something that might work in Tomlin's favor is his whole time, when he came to the team, it was Ben Roethlisberger's team. And not in the sense that Mike Tomlin couldn't do what he wanted, but Ben Roethlisberger had already won a Super Bowl when Mike Tomlin arrived. And he worked with Ben Roethlisberger. He, I mean, and, and you saw the trust between the two of those guys. But there was still always that fact that, like, hey, you know, Ben was here before him. He he had to kind of work around Ben. Now you're getting into all these guys that say, no, you're working around me. I'm the guy that runs the show. We're going to see how this goes. And if Mike Tomlin is able to put together winning seasons and put together a, a, another Super Bowl contending team with another quarterback that's not Ben Roethlisberger, I think it answers a lot of those questions. But again, it's going to start with getting to the playoffs and then winning playoff games. But again, to win playoff games, you got to get there first. I think we can we can all agree that Ben Roethlisberger was not at his best, the best point of his career the last two years. And still, they found a way to make the playoffs each of those seasons. So again, to answer your question, Ryan, it'll take several years of being really bad for Mike Tomlin to get the boot from the Pittsburgh Steelers, or if he just feels like, hey, this is his enemy anymore. But if you hear how people talk about him from Adam Schefter when he gets to talk to him, from uh, Omar Khan when he took over the, the GM spot, he said, I'm so honored, to, I'm so excited to work with Mike Tomlin because there's no one more passionate about the game of the football. Mike Tomlin's still, still pretty young in the game. He's nowhere near Bill Belichick being in his 70s. Mike Tomlin could be here for quite some time. I think that would behoove the Steelers. Because I think he's a he's a he's a good he's a not a good he's a great coach in the NFL, 
And we'll see how that plays out with a younger offense that he's going to be able to cultivate and see how that culture grows into the next generation of leaders for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I'm way over my time. I wanted to answer as many of your questions as possible. And that last one got a little long here. Thanks again for checking out the Lockdown Steelers podcast. We apologize for being a little bit longer. But, hey, maybe if you're on the commute, you enjoyed that and you appreciated that. If you did, please go on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review with a positive comment. Do both at the same time. We get you a shout-out at the end of the show. Thanks again for checking us out. If you're on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Odyssey, we thank you for joining us. If you're watching on YouTube, like the video. If you enjoyed it, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We got daily Monday through Friday episodes. Minicamp starts up this week. We got things going on Tuesday. We're breaking things down before minicamp to get you ready for it uh, tomorrow. But I wanted to start things off addressing the Devin Bush comments and answering a bunch of your questions. So we'll keep things rolling here. Thanks again for checking us out. You can follow me, Chris Carter, at Carter Critiques on Twitter and Instagram. Read my work at SteelersNow.com for free. We could break things down. Uh, Make of Fitzpatrick recently got ranked among the top in, in, the, in the top 25 of players who are 25 and younger. I had my thoughts on that. You can read my thoughts on that on SteelersNow.com. We'll talk about that later in the week as well. But thanks again for checking us out. Be back on your screen and in your ears very soon.